Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman-Perks and welcome back to my favorite time of the week. And I'm delighted to have Richard Bourne with me. Richard is the CEO of Martin's Properties and has had a fascinating career in a variety of different property businesses as well as being an ultra marathon runner. And also he set up a charitable venture called Abling, which we're gonna be talking about as well. But Richard, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on board. Thank you, nice to be, uh, to be involved. No, it's great. And um, let's go straight into uh, your sort of leadership background. Uh, tell me a bit about that. So, yeah, th- thanks, Jonathan. And as I say, thanks for, for inviting me onto, the, uh, onto your podcast. Follow these and uh, really enjoy watching them. So hopefully a little few uh, snippets from me might help somewhere down the line. Yep. Um, so currently uh, CEO of Martin's Properties. So we are a, a private property business, family owned. Um, with property uh, assets dotted around mainly the southern half of the UK, um, but predominantly in Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I joined three and a half years ago, took over as CEO two and a half years ago, um, and really been given a remit to grow the business substantially over the next five, ten years. Yeah. Um, so we've got more and more shareholders uh, coming through with the next generations of the family, um, and to try and really maximise the performance of the business. So we're looking at um, lots of different things since since the last two three years really we've rebranded um, got a lovely new logo in the background there I like it um, thanks um, and I've got the blue blue colored suit on just to match so uh, <laughs> so yeah it's all about branding um, we've done quite a lot of extra PR looking at processing systems um, done a skill gap analysis so we've resourced and we've got a great team with us now so it's uh, it's an exciting journey good Good. Well, that's great. And then, and then, what about on to inspiration? This, this is uh, about you know the, the logo says it behind inspiring leadership. Um, who, who you mentioned when we were discussing so, sort of three leaders who've inspired you? Um, who were they? And tell me a little bit about why you chose them and the qualities that they had. Yeah, I think it's really important to have uh, some some strong influences in your life, and mm. uh, you know it's important to be your own man, but um, but also to 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 take some good tips from people who've been there and done it. Yeah. Um, and the first person I picked was on a personal note, it was my grandfather. Um, he fought in the First World War, uh, got a military cross and reading his notes, I find it, I'm not a historian really, um, mm. but uh, I find um, it's really important. He's a, he's a man that the family talked about a lot. Right. Um, always someone who uh, never had a bad word about anybody, but would always lead from the front. And if you read his, his notes um, about what he was up to, he's in the song, he's in some pretty... Uh, oh God, some incredible battles yeah uh, but he lived from the front and he treated his men with the utmost respect and i think that's a, a lesson i've learned a lot from uh, even though i'd never really met him i think i was six months old sadly when uh, when he passed yeah. but uh his legacy is is strong and I, I try and follow and lead by his example on that front um, the second person i picked was winston churchill um yep. you know i'm following a slightly historical theme here even though i'm not a historian but um uh, I think he, you know, he's an example of someone who, in a very tough time, real-time adversity, you know, had a very clear vision, steely determination, uh, and he saw it through. And I think that's a, 
it's an incredible character trait. Mm. And actually picking up on Churchill, obviously with um, the Black Lives Matter movement and things like that, people are beginning to tear down statues. And, and I think we need to be careful who we sort of tear down in history because, you know, we could end up, as someone once said, you know, ripping up the road from uh, Dover to London because it was built by the Romans and slaves who were Anglo-Saxons who built it. So they should, you know, should dismantle the road. You know, that was just someone being a bit lighthearted. Black Lives Matter is a very serious issue. But I think when we look at various leaders like um, Churchill and people like that, um, they're, they're very flawed leaders in many ways. I think all of us are. You know, I, I haven't yet met the perfect person. Um, and so I just think we need to be very careful as we look back in history and try and find reasons to shame ourselves. But at the same time, we should also face up to the consequences of what's gone on. And um, things like, you know, the French with... Um, the, the railway, that the national railway they have, which took Jews to concentration camps in Germany and things like this, and IBM that provided the, uh, the, the backup information and the database of where all the Jews lived in Germany and uh, was providing that to the Nazis. So there's, there's a lot of history that can be dug up, but I, I do think Churchill did have some qualities that, as well as his, his dark side, that were very good. And who was your third one that you'd pick? Yeah, I think I think just finishing off on that, if I may, uh, Jonathan, I, th I think that's that's really well put. And I think it's really important we learn and we evolve. And, and the country's moved and the world has moved on a long way uh, over time. And it's important we continue to do so. That's what we all should be doing as individuals, uh, as businesses, and, and as as a culture. Mm. Um, but I agree with you. I think you know the the, the past. Uh, they were different times. Not saying I agree with what those uh, circumstances were at the time, but you know, you take Churchill, you know, without his leadership, without what he did and what the brave men and women did at that time, uh, from all races and all colours, uh, mm. we wouldn't be in the situation we are today with the freedom we've got. So I think yeah. um, we have we have to respect we have to respect that, despite what uh, the, the, the dark part that they have. And I think I think you know the, the reason I picked him as well was he is a quote I always use and and uh, stick by, which is. Um, yeah, the optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty, whereas the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and I try and make sure I'm the former part of that. Yeah, I like that one. I like that one. I haven't, I haven't come across that quote before. I like it. Good. What about amusing stories uh, about you as a leader or situations you've been in? You, you Tell us a good one. I think yeah, I, 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 <laughs> well, I, I couldn't find a, a defined example. And uh, sorry, that's not me trying to, uh, to hide... Um, uh, hide from it but I think one of the things I try and make sure I do is I never take life too seriously it's really important that you know I do expect people to work hard and, and I am uh, quite a tough taskmaster that if you ask, ask the team um, but I try and make sure we mix it up with fun and it's really important we we have fun and we don't take life too seriously um, you need to have a very balanced view I think as a CEO you can't be very uh, tunnel visioned and driven mm. uh, and not look at the bigger picture so um, at Christmas, sadly, there are some photographic evidence uh, <laughs> photographs dotted around maybe the internet, but certainly on our website um, of me dressed, looking like an idiot in a in a Christmas uh, suit, a full business a full, suit, a full business with, with, suit, with a pie. Um, yeah, and, uh, and I think what was what was it? Was it Father Christmas on it? Well, I, I try and have a different one every year, actually. So I've had oh, three different suits over the last three years. Um, but yeah, we've got reindeer, Father Christmases presence um snowflake i thought it, it's awful but um but it, it does mean that uh a the team can see that there's a there's a sort of human side to me not not a robotic um driven leader 
Uh, and it's certainly, um, it's a leveler when you walk down the King's Road and everyone's stopping and looking at you and you realise you're meant to be some respectable CEO and you're dressed uh, looking like you are. So, I, but I think it's important, you know, don't take, Dave, don't take life too seriously. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think you think to put you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, humour is really important. And um, a friend of mine, Roger Steer, talks about the three hums, humour, humility and humanity, really important in leaders and uh, particularly the humility. And we've seen with Trump, who wouldn't know what humility was if he walked into it, um, and, and various other leaders who get carried away with their own self-importance and actually rarely admit when they're wrong or they apologize. And that is, that is very important. Um, so uh, the other thing we we're going to talk about um, was a story of when you got it wrong and what you learned from it. Um, and it might be not one particular story, but just you're someone I know who's spent a lot of time. Um, you like to develop yourself and other people. You like to constantly learn. So what have you learned about yourself and traits that you could improve um, and how to admit when you have got it wrong and, and to rectify it? Yeah, I've, as we talked about earlier, I think it's difficult for me to find one example. There's loads of mistakes I've made. I make mistakes continually. And I think one of the things that's really important Going back to that that previous discussion we just had uh, about not taking life too seriously, it's important that we all, as CEOs, understand that there's a huge amount of learning to do for ourselves and for the business, and and to help others within the team to grow and to learn as well. Um, I make mistakes all the time, and uh, I try and make sure actually that I surround myself with with good coaches, with uh, some, some strong. Uh, strong business leaders as well on the board um, and challenge is really important and mm. one of the things I do uh, annually is to make sure we have proper performance reviews and appraisals and that is uh, a detailed critique of me as well it's not mm. not for everybody else and the CEO sits there and pretends he's perfect I'm far mm. from I'm still yeah. working every day to to improve myself and uh, and how I perform um, I think you know the, the, one of the, the things I'm not particularly proud of is is and I'm working on is around trying to uh, take a bit more time uh, before reacting to things. You know, there's examples I can think of. You know, quite a few actually where I probably allowed myself to get caught up in the moment and mm. not to take time, and I've started to uh, react to some of the things that are happening in front of me and to put my own opinion on it, and then we've driven down a path which, at the end of it, I've gone is that where we should have ended up um and i think it's really important that mm. the techniques i've learned from here is from that is to make sure the two breaths and a think before you speak you know That's so two breaths don't rush in when someone asks you a question don't be quick to think and it's not it's much better i think and a much better example of a leader of someone who can sit there and take even if it's a minute to respond mm. Mm. rather no. than and, and longer or, or sleep on it let me sleep on it and come back to you tomorrow Absolutely. And I, you know, there was one example where I, where I went down that road and I came out of that meeting thinking that was a bad meeting, you know, yeah. and I ended up in, a, in the wrong place. And actually I, I did get everybody back into the room at that point in time and say, right, I, that wasn't a great meeting. And I hold my hand up, you know, I, I've, I didn't fall brilliantly in that meeting. So let's start again. Yeah, and good. I think it's important as a leader, you have to acknowledge when you've made mistakes, accept vulnerability. Um, and make sure actually doing things that are the, the, the right reasons with the right inputs from various different people. And it's not your personal opinion that's coming into it. You've got to be as a leader taking all the opinions together, taking all the facts, and then you might have to make those tough decisions. Um, but it's, it's really important not to, not to jump into things. That's very good. 
That's no really like that. Okay, what about um, top uh, your top leadership tips to other executives who are listening? Well, it, it jumps back to probably my um, uh, inspirational uh, leaders that that I look up to. Um, you know, the first one I think is leading by example. So I would never expect anybody in the team to do something that I wouldn't expect to do myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I try and make sure you know setting reasonable objectives, reasonable targets. Um, you know, it's no good just saying I want 18 things done and it's got to be done by the end of today. You know, you've got to be sensible. So I think leading by example, um, expecting people to or do things uh, that you'd expect others to do and vice versa. Uh, it's really important. And, and just caring about your team. Um, without the team, you're, you, you have nothing. Uh, mm. you, know, you, know, you, you should be really guiding the tiller um, and hopefully using some grey hairs, which are, which are coming uh, quite strongly, um, <clears throat> that, that, that come from experience and, and situations that you've been in in the past to help your team through those. Yeah. Um, it, it is not there to be um, uh, beating them down or, or indeed taking too much on yourself. It's another, yeah. another thing I think is um, making sure you, you delegate uh, and give yourself the bandwidth to be that sort of strategic person, thinking about the bigger picture. And watching and making sure everybody's uh, rowing in the same direction and uh, rowing com- comfortably hard, but not sinking. Good. That's a nice way of looking at it. And, and talking uh, next, I'd be interested in your upbringing and how that shaped you as a leader from you know, when you were a child to then some of the things you did, going to you know, Reading and, uh, and then on to your first jobs in John Lang and, um, and also Keir Property. So perhaps uh, have a, have a, tell us about that. Yeah, so that bringing, um, I mean, I, I start with my father, you know, he, he was my biggest critic uh, as I was growing up, you know, he's an ex RAF reserves man, uh, even had a, an RAF moustache and a cane to go with it. Um, so it was a, it was a fairly strict, um, uh, there was certainly some guidelines and some boundaries which um, you didn't want to step out of line on. Um, but, but latterly, actually, he was my biggest supporter and he's been, He's certainly not with us, obviously now, but uh, you know, luckily he was always there to uh, to be the, the the words of encouragement. He would be a, a very good devil's advocate. He would always challenge, mm-hmm. and that's really important to have people around you that challenge you and make sure you're yeah. not running off with your own uh, ego or or ideas. Um, so I, that 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 sort of context around, um, I'm probably a balance between people, someone who pushes the boundaries a bit, um, but respectful of the boundaries as well. Um, I'm also a twin, which, uh, I just said, before you go into the twin, which is a very interesting one, um, sadly, your father passed away recently and what, what age had he got to? He was 73. Um, okay. so yeah, he, he, he was diagnosed actually, he was absolutely fine and then felt a little bit unwell at my uncle's funeral and, um, he was diagnosed with, uh, with cancer and, oh, uh, he, so no, he, so it was all very quick. It was, uh, three months, no, two months. Wow. Wow. diagnosis but um yeah he, he's uh yeah it, it's something you learn a lot from mm. losing mm. people close to you for sure what what did you learn from that um well i i lost uh, i lost three people very quickly i lost my grandmother uncle and father in the space of two months um and you know it taught, taught me a lot actually about making sure you spend time with people uh, and your family mm. um, it's all well and good uh, trying to drive a business, but actually life is, is a much bigger entity. Mm. And um, uh, one of the things that I, I probably regret and I think I've learned a good lesson from was that at the time I tried to set an example in the business of um, 
because it was just at the time I'd taken over as CEO, was, was sort of being in the office and I'm not going to let this affect me and it's all absolutely fine. But actually, it'd be much better, I think, to have said, you know, do you know what, actually, three things have hit pretty hard on a personal mm. and mm. actually it's much better as an example there as a CEO to, to turn and say, do you know what, actually I'm feeling it. And I would expect you uh, as a team to to take some time out and to process it it's really important you allow yourself time to process and spend time with your family yeah and, and maybe as an example i was setting there was it's actually family's not important and work's the most important thing and you should get back into the office and that's um that's, that's not what i think uh, no. it, it was my personal thing at the time thinking i need to be there for everybody and i was going to be there for everybody and yeah you've got to really watch and, and i relate strongly to what you said i remember uh, well, i was very young when my father was killed. I was three. Um, but my elder brother, who's six years older than me, um, we had in the space of three months, grandfather died, uncle was killed, um, and father was killed. And, and, you know, he was away at boarding school. And he said to my mother, you know, please don't come and see me because every time you come and see me, somebody else has died. And if you come and see me again, there'll be someone else will die. He had that sort of connection between seeing her and hearing that someone had died. And, and you do, it really hits you hard and you need to give yourself time. And I think a lot of busy leaders don't. And, and just like people going off on maternity leave and coming straight back too quickly, having had a child, um, it's the same when you've had another big life-changing event. Don't come back too quickly. Give yourself time. And we can talk about that a bit more later on. Okay. That was, that was a very tough one. And you said it's in your upbringing quite shaped by being a twin. Yes. You and uh, is it Tim? Your Tim, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think you know being a twin was was wonderful, and uh, you know summer holidays weren't boring because you've got a ready-made playmate, which was uh, which mm. was great. But uh, you know I think I think the example is Formula One. They always say that uh, the first thing you want to do is beat your team teammate because he's got the same car, he's got the same kit. Um, uh, fortunately, we, we don't have the same kit. We do look quite different. Um, but, uh, <laughs> what's What's uh, Tim doing while you're doing this? Um, what now? Yeah, what's, what job does he do? Now? I have no. Oh, he, he works for IBM. He's a management consultant, so he's okay. an intellectual. Um, which actually goes into the example. One of the examples I think that that shaped me actually was because the, what the, there's a defining moments that happen to you in your life, and I think if you look deep into some of the things that have happened, you'll realise where some of your character traits come from and where your mm. um, your influences uh, come from. Uh, you know, in in who you are. And I think being a twin clearly shaped me. Um, I do remember very clearly uh, mock GCSEs. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I found, well, we, actually, we, we were given our results from our mock GCSEs after a parent-teacher evening. <clears throat> and we were sat in the back of our parents' car. And uh, I remember the conversation. It was, you know, how do you think you've done? And Tim said, well, I think, you know, I worked hard. I think, think I've done okay. Um, and my parents said, yeah, we're really proud of you. You've got straight B's. You're going to be predicted to get straight A's for, for GCSEs. Really, really proud of you. And then it got to me. And uh, I remember the conversation. I said, look, I, I, I worked hard, but um, I found them really tough. And, uh, yeah, they said, well, yeah, you've got, you've got some C's and D's with a spattering of B's and F's. And I remember my brother laughing. And uh, then they're just saying, look, the, the teacher's really proud of you. You know, you've worked really hard, but you're just not that clever. And oh. I, remember, Ow. I remember that sticking, sticking very hard. That would the, stick in the claw, wouldn't it? Yeah, that really um, would. And I, I remember saying to myself at that point in time, you know, that 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 will never happen to me again. You've so, been trying to well, prove them wrong since then, haven't you? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I, I relate to that. I was told I was thick. I was going to be a dustman. 
couldn't do my maths, couldn't spell. You were told you were th- you you were not that bright. Well, you've improved how bright you are. Well, I, th- I think to, to close that one, it was um, you know I, I worked hard and uh, I knew I knew I had to work harder than others, and certainly my brother. So I used him as my sort of benchmark. So if he would work five hours a day, I'd, I'd go and work six or seven. You know, I, I worked harder, <laughs> um, and uh, I ended up actually beating him at GCSE. I had to go up on stage to go and get my academic tie. <laughs> Um, so I, I did have to define that it, it was the correct uh, born rather than uh, my brother that should be going up to get the tie. <clears throat> um, but it taught me a lot, actually. It taught me that, you know, you, some hard work actually does pay off, uh, number one. And secondly, don't let other people define you. Um, if I'd listened to the teachers and everyone else saying he's just a bit thick, um, you know, m- maybe things might have been a bit different. And, you know, I've developed coping mechanisms and strategies that mean, yeah, I, I had to probably read things two or three times rather than just one, when my brother will pick something up and he probably is a bit of intuition, you know, he is, he's a bright guy. Um, but that doesn't mean I should benchmark myself against him. Yeah, and, and also um, I've learned, as you should, that there are many intelligences and uh, emotional and social intelligence and, you know, the gardeners think about 10 different intelligences. And people shouldn't ask how intelligent are you, but how are you intelligent? You know, what, what approaches do you use to succeed in life? And uh, just passing an IQ test isn't enough these days. Um, that only accounts for 6% of people's success. EQ accounts for 30%. And uh, as the compass behind me shows, the other 64% is, is a whole range of other qualities, which we can talk about another day. Good. Okay. So from, from learning to be competitive with a twin, uh, a father who was... Um, quite a stickler for discipline with his RAF moustache and uh, but then became one of your biggest uh, supporters. You then went on to Reading uh, to university and to tell us about sort of university and then some of the other jobs that you did and how that shaped you. Yeah so so um, like you I was told I was going to be a dustman um, with my uh, careers advice and I think a long distance lorry driver actually because I enjoyed traveling in cars but um, mm. yeah fortunately I, I avoided uh, avoided that particular route. Um, so I, I'd done a lot of um, building things when I was a kid and so I was sort of uh, suggested I went and did some work experience with um, uh, contractors, so uh, builders and I worked with Taylor Wimpy down on um, uh, the storm overflow in Brighton, Brighton Beach, a big big sewer tunnel under there. Um, and I thought mm, this, this sort of getting up at four o'clock in the morning and just spending all my life in a tunnel underground wasn't really for me. So, um, I was told that uh, you should go and be one of the, so that they were called the gin and tonic boys, which is the charter surveying group, um, which would be much more my style. And uh, I went and did some work experience with them and, and they were right. Uh, it was much more my style. Um, so I ended up uh, being taught that, well, I decided that that was the channel I wanted to go down. And Reading was uh, doing the particular degree that, that was the market leader actually at the time. Uh, so I did a degree in land management and a master's in planning and development uh, at Reading. Really enjoyed my time there. Uh, had a great, great bunch of people who I'm still in touch with today and still mm-hmm. done some deals with actually as, as friends. And um, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great camaraderie and, and a great crew. Yeah. Um, and I was very lucky in my last year uh, to uh, do a project where the um, outside visiting fellow that we were presenting to was a, was a real life CEO. Um, wow. And uh, I think that was what was good about Reading, actually. It, was, it, it sort of didn't just do the academic side. It was very applied. and, and mm, That's really good. In reality. Um, and I remember being the chairman of my group, did the presentation, and uh, being grilled by this CEO about the different short-term, long-term strategies for the particular asset we were doing. And um, 
fortunately, I, he asked me all the questions I'd prepared for. So I was very lucky. Um, and um, he offered me a job. Uh, so I went straight into wow. um, John Lang Property. It was a chap called Derek Arden, who was the uh, chairman, actually, of John Lang um, at the time. So uh, very lucky. And uh, I really enjoyed my time. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was a really nice culture, actually. It was the most important thing. And the thing I really remember about that it was a very positive culture. It was a very um, uh, team-focused business. It was less about sort of the money. It was much more about actually having fun uh, mm. some exciting projects and, and that's what I my lasting memory of that that particular company good um, and then we got bought out by Kia because unfortunately the contracting business for John Lang uh, went into difficulties so they had to start selling businesses so we went across to Kia uh, I was there for three years mm -hmm. um, spreading my experience across different sectors so started out doing office development went into industrial uh, retail and did some other bits and pieces um, we're looking at uh, transport hubs as well, which was really interesting. And what um, did you, during your time in that move from one to the other, what did you learn about leadership and good ways of leading? And did you see some toxic leadership, really bad ways of leading that you were determined you were not going to do that? Yeah, I think so. My first um, CEO was a, was an incredible um, supporter. You know, he, he, he listened and I was just a graduate. I was, you know, just came out of university. I mean, who was I? Um, but he really made me feel like I was an important person within the team. Um, I've been, been really worried about this whole takeover and sale process um, because I thought I was, you know, inexperienced, last man in, first man out type thing. So, um, but he said, "Look, I give you my assurance, you still have a job. You will, always, you will have a job because right. actually, you, you, you know, your salary level is going to be." You know, it's not going to be the uh, the make or break. It's it's perhaps yeah. other people that might need to 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 be uh, be more worried. So yeah. he gave me he really put an arm around me, and uh, I felt very supported and felt very comforted through that. And I think that's a really important part. You know, looking through this current process, actually, we have Zoom calls uh, twice a week. One of them is a wellness uh, a wellness call. Mm -hmm. I use it very much to look at the body language uh, of the team and try and see who's looking a bit unsettled, who's looking a bit nervous, and you can tell Good. how people people react, how people are talking. So mm. I then take the opportunity to go give them a call and just make sure they're okay. So um, that that's the the lesson I learned from that CEO. Mm. Mm. Uh, toxic toxic question. Um, yeah, the, the takeover is. I think a takeover of business is always difficult because you've got two cultures colliding. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think. That, that there was many good traits of the CEO that took over um, and it's a very difficult situation to manage. But um, I, uh, I do remember feeling that it was sort of that, it was, you know, this is our, this is our business, this is our culture, that culture's dead, you know, forget it. Um, and I think I'd have managed that differently. Um, yeah. you try, and, try and bring the best of both cultures together and you've got mm -hmm. to understand that you've got a phased integration that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, it's very hard. I mean, you've alluded to it there. It's very hard, Richard. Um, I think it's an incredibly high proportion, something like about 85% of acquisitions don't really work. Um, it's a vanity project where one person wants to gobble up and acquire something else and make themselves bigger. I um, mean, you know, I was part of PwC that uh, the consulting arm got taken over by IBM. And again, it was a vanity project. I think 2.9 billion they spent on it. And, and actually half of us left within two, three years because, and, I would say it, but it, it was actually the ones who were mobile and were employable could move. The others 
hung on in there. It didn't mean that good people didn't stay. The number of good people did stay. And I've got some good friends in PwC, but um, uh, in, in IBM. But it, it, it destroyed a lot of value at the same time. Uh, and the value is often the people who get hit by it. And that, you know, our way is the right way. The person who's taking over and you guys have just got to buckle down and make a lot more money. And um, we're not going to develop you until you've made a lot more money. And someone said to me, run for the hills, you know, if they're not going to develop you, uh, run for the hills. But so, okay, so you had that experience then. And then you also worked in a private family office. Tell us about that. That's quite an unusual uh, area to work in and a very specialized area. Yeah, so, so in 2005, um, I, I left uh, the sort of the Kia, the more sort of corporate structure, if you like, and, and I went and joined a company called RO Group, which is another family office. Um, and that was because the, the CEO of, uh, of John Lang had moved across there and, and wanted me to go and join and help, help him spend some money. Um, I say spend, invest some money carefully. Um, so that was a really exciting time as a young, young guy who just got basic experience really had a, um, some good training, but you know, still very much early formative years. But I, I was young and enthusiastic, mm -hmm. uh, hungry uh, to, to learn and to develop. And I really looked up to my my CEO at the time and thought it was a really strong move um, to to kind of fly the nest really and, and to be you know you, you're going to be visible. There's no hiding. It's me to go out and go and spend that money and show what I can do. Uh, yeah. And it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic sort of learning experience for me. A very steep learning curve. Yeah, we had a great, great deal of fun, and we we had a good deal of success at the start. And then, obviously, the global financial crisis happened, and there was a lot of a uh, lot of turmoil. We had um, we had two different things: we had an investment portfolio, and development portfolio. Um, the investment portfolio was was quite quite high uh, high yielding, so it was relatively poor poor quality. Um, so uh, there was a real difficult time there. Is looking at how we protect protect the business because the values were falling, the loan to value ratio was going up, so the debt was becoming pressured. Um, and we had assets that we were going, well, how do we get out of this? Because yeah. it's a very thin market. Taught me an awful lot. Uh, and actually it's just taking step by step, look at all the positives and the, and the pros and cons of each of the assets, look at all the options, think about it, and then start making a plan for the whole portfolio. And we took the so that's good training for the COVID nineteen crisis that you've been thrown into as well, hasn't it? When you're you're here at the front, leading through yeah. the pandemic and beyond. I I, th I think that that experience and actually the the explosion of the building in Hemel Hempstead, you know, two big crises that that I've I've been faced in my career. I thought actually when the explosion happened, I said, well, I've had my once in a career crisis to deal with, and then uh, three years later, I had the um, uh, the global financial crisis and here we are again with COVID. So yeah. uh, one thing I always do is try and break things down. So you have a clear vision, what you've got to try and do. Um, if you try and think too big at the time, at the time you'll explode, you know, you will, problem um, but you, you will, uh, you'll find it really tough. So with the COVID situation set an emergency phase, then a consolidation phase and then a recovery phase. Mm. And the emergency phase is very much about getting the team together, making sure they're okay, looking after your staff. Um, communication with the customers, um, getting the, the, the office sealed up and secure and whatever else we need to do and getting everyone set up remote working. Once that was done, we were at full tilt. Um, and then it's about, right, what do we do? This is going to be, we're, we're not sure how long it's going to last. So we need to not just be in this sort of, we're working from laptops quietly for a couple of days. We need to consolidate now. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's the recovery phase. We're very much in the recovery phase right now, uh, looking at how yeah. we can get on the front foot. 
What's your reading of the um, the way the economy is going to go going forward? I mean, who, who's to know? No one knows what's going to happen next week. But what's your what's your reading of the economy and and how the pandemic will continue to impact us? I I think it's it's going to impact us pretty hard. Um, I mean, there's no getting away from the fact we're we're walking ourselves into one of the largest recessions we we've seen. Um, we're going to see some strong unemployment uh, and we're going to see some difficulty. But I think, you know, out of every difficulty, there is opportunity. Go back to the previous quotes. Um, and actually what we're doing as a business is trying to position ourselves so that we can get through this. And we're trying to help all of our customers and make sure we're not um, uh, putting those businesses under pressure. So mm. it's about actually we all have a duty in this situation to try and help the economy recover. And helping the economy recover means not letting businesses go bust. Mm. Um, so, so I, I think um, I think we're in for a difficult ride, but I do yeah. think it will bounce back. I think you know, there's a lot of cash out there. Um, the funding it is a very different situation uh, to to uh, the global financial crisis, um, and I think we've got Brexit sort of sitting over here that um, <coughs> is the is the other factor that that can uh, throw a curveball in. But um, yeah. look, I, I think um, yeah, I think we're in for a bumpy ride, but I think we will recover and. Uh, it's about actually all of us as business leaders pulling together, trying to help each other. I, I speak to, um, there's about 10 uh, business leaders I, I talk to regularly um, in a similar field and, and others. So that we're just sharing ideas, sharing thoughts mm. and mm. sharing experiences um, so we can get a read and a handle on things. Mm. But look, I, I think, I think the, the, the exchange rate is going to help us, um, certainly from a property business. It's making the UK property look particularly attractive and cheap at the moment. Um, Interest rates are going to remain low, um, so borrowing criteria is going to be fairly helpful for people. Um, and I think with a with a positive mindset, actually, I say that there will be um, opportunities to grow in the future. Yeah. And that's what we're very much focused on. Yeah. And do you think people are going to be renting in London, or are they going to be fleeing London in large numbers to go out to the uh, the shires? Um, well, I hope as a, as a Chelsea-focused um, uh, property owner, then they're all going to be flooding to Chelsea because it's a wonderful area. Um, but uh, no, I, 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 we're seeing a, a real mix, actually. We've got, uh, we've got some of our rents actually holding up very strongly and, in fact, seeing some growth in some of them. Uh, we're seeing others uh, dropping. You know, I think the larger properties struggling a little bit. Um, the, the, the sort of studios doing okay. The middle one's not so good. Uh, and actually houses. So people are looking for more space now. They want gardens. They want... Uh, not to be cramped up in a, in a, in a tight area. So mm. um, I, I think we will see more people moving out. Certainly that, that's the feedback we're getting from a lot of our advisors. Um, but I still think there's a strong demand for, for central London uh, living. Yeah, good. Okay. Uh, anything else about uh, your upbringing and what shaped you into the leader you are today? Um, no, I mean, I think, I think you know, th- those are the two, you know, my, mm. my father and um, you know, the people around me yeah uh, twin brother certainly certainly have been big influences on me yeah but um, in fact picking up on your twin brother I, I knew there was something i wanted to ask you about you know that competitive streak and particularly sporting and business continues tell us about the um the ultra marathons that you've been doing and the distance running you've been doing yeah I, I, so if you've seen photos of me uh, at school you'd realize that the idea of doing an ultra marathon is just a, is a joke um but uh i you like at school uh, I was a prop um, in rugby. Right. I mean, yeah, I was, uh, I was certainly not built for long distance running. Um, but no, I, I, it's, a number of things happened, actually. I think the first one was a, was a London Marathon in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been putting on a lot of weight and I thought, well, I've got to sort this out. And 
I needed a focus. So someone had said, oh, uh, I'm running, running the marathon. And I said, oh, I've always wanted to do that. And they said, well, and I'd, I'd had a couple of glasses of wine, to be honest. But, uh, <clears throat> I said, I think someone's just dropped out from our charity. Uh, so we need another charity runner. So I said, well, I'm, I'll do it. Um, and I got a phone call at eight o'clock the following morning saying, I'm so proud of you to take this on and thank you so much. And, and I, was, I was enrolled um, and there was no getting out of it. So uh, <laughs> uh, that was my introduction to long distance running. And, and do you know what? It was one of the, uh, I, bizarrely, one of the most enjoyable uh, experiences I've had. I think the, 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 the crowds when you run a London Marathon is just absolutely incredible. Mm, mm. Um, and I sort of got the bug from that. And uh, also, I do try and do a lot for charity as much as I can. Um, which is one of the reasons we set up this charity. Perhaps we'll, we'll, yeah, talk, talk about that now, actually. Tell, tell us about the charity now. Well, just, just finishing off on the, on the long distance stuff. Okay, so, so I ended up doing these two ultras for charity. Um, and, and one of them was... Because uh, an ultra is... Tell, tell people what an ultra marathon is. It's a 100-kilometre run. Um, 100 kilometres. The first one, I, I got a, um, a, a, an unsuspecting team from the office together, of four of us, uh, with mixed um, fitness abilities. And I count myself in that mixed category. Um, and in fact, I'd got a slip disc at the time. So running was off the agenda. So we ended up having to sort of fast walk it. Um, but it took us 24 hours. So we went through the night nonstop. Uh, and I was incredibly proud. And that taught me a lot from leadership, actually. You know, I was trying to push, push, push. But actually, for me, it was about getting to the finish line uh, with the team. With a slip disc. Did you know you had a slip disc? Yeah, I was told not to do it. But um, again, sort of not, not a leadership <laughs> example here. But um, uh, because there's a lot, lot resting on charity and, and the team as well, I just thought we've got to do this. And I think they were secretly relieved there was no running. Um, but uh, but we, we got through it. And, 100 kilometres. Uh, what did you raise? Do you have any idea? Um, we raised, I think it was £16,000 for Empire, which is a, a delightful little charity called Every Life is for a Reason. So helping bike with severely disabled um, uh, children. And, yeah. Uh, about 90% of the money goes to uh, directly to where it needs to be. So it's a, it's a that's great very good. Yeah. No, um, good. And then I did one, which was the Thames Bar Challenge, 100 kilometers. I did that on my own. I couldn't find any other uh, unsuspecting people from the office to join me on that one. So that was a solo effort. Um, and I think I did that in 12 and a half hours. Well done. Um, well done. So, uh, it was a great, great challenge. I enjoyed them. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's amazing. Well, so let's, we, we've talked a bit about darkest moments with the tragic death of both father, uncle, and I think you said grandmother uh, in such a short space of time. What about darkest moments in uh, any of the dark moments that in what you've learned from them? Um, no, I think, you know, I, I think it's really important to say to, to compartmentalize and to, you know, whatever you're going through in personal life, you can't let it affect your team as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and vice versa, actually, it's important that even when you've got your stresses at work, you, you need to try and leave those at the door and, and you do. So time to rest and recover at home. So I think um, being able to deal with that is a really uh, something I'm still learning. And um, you know, just just being able to sort of walk walk away and, and uh, leave leave the things there. Go and take a deep breath. A good walk, actually. I walk um, and run a lot, uh, and I find that my sort of head clearing space. And it's yeah. a break between each of those activities, um, and it keeping a fit fit healthy body and mind is um, is really important. Yeah, no, that's very good. And what about what about the highlights uh, of your life, the things you're proudest of? Yeah, well, the, the, the setting of the charity, I think, is uh, is up there for me um, in terms of the, one of the most proud things. Um, it's a it's a charity. Really, really, um, been really passionate about it. It's taken me 
bloody long time to be honest to get it set up and that, that's my um that's my downfall but um we got there in the end and it stemmed from when i was able to take a a, a young chap flying I, I just got my pilot's license a, a lifelong goal probably going back to my father's influence um and uh he had a, a a double kidney, 90% sky to, to both kidneys, so he needed a double kidney transplant. So he was, um, yeah, he didn't have a great chance of success and he wanted to tick off his bucket wish, uh, bucket list last wish, and he wanted to go flying. So I was asked whether I could take him up and um, I was able to do so. He flew most of it and um, we got back down and he was, uh, yeah, it was very emotional. And mm. one of the things it taught me is actually, we've all got time uh, and some of us have got some, we're very fortunate to have some great, uh, luck, you know, great exciting hobbies that we have. And we, we can share those with people who really, really need it and who can make a difference. So, so Abling UK is a charity or charitable venture I set up, um, which basically enables the members of the public, it's a free platform, uh, members of the public and businesses to donate their time and their hobbies and their, their fun activities. And it, even if it's just actually going for a walk with somebody and spending some time yeah. with someone who's lonely and vulnerable. Um, to connect them with a community of people who are either terminally ill under charitable care or um, in the vulnerable category. And actually we've extended it to include um, NHS workers, frontline NHS workers off the back of COVID. So um, yeah, it just, it's connecting and, and then hopefully people are gonna uh, start using it where um, you know, if you've got a fun activity or some time, you can donate it, someone connects up and we can help, say even one person, be fantastic so i'm very proud of that it's uh you write it so abling is a, a great achievement a b l i n g uh, and the website address for people to look for abling because this yeah a b l i n g abling uk.com abling uk.com well thank you for that so let's t- let's wrap up now um rich with the um sort of final leadership tips you'd leave people with and things you've learned on your journey that um you'd pass on to share with other people yeah, I, I, we talked about some of those tips um, previously, uh, you know, around leading by example, taking others with you. But I think there's two others, and that is really making sure you take the time as a CEO to to rest and recover. Um, I I think you do understand your body and yourself very well as a CEO. You, you're left very much, um, you know, it's quite a lonely position in many many respects. Um, so listen to yourself, listen to your body, and I think when you start realizing you're making some rash decisions or you're feeling like things are just getting on top of you a little bit it's time to take a rest yeah. um, and that's that's a that's a benchmark i use a lot now it's it's you know when, when you run 100k as well you, you get to know your body inside out um and uh <clears throat> you know I, I i can really sense when i'm getting stressed and when when things are getting tired i'm starting to make mm. unusual unusual calls perhaps, or getting a little more ratty with people than i i would like so um that's time to go and you know even if it's half a day just to go and Take some time out and, and um, give, give yourself some headspace. Yeah, very wise. Very wise. Richard, thank you very much indeed. Richard Bourne, CEO of Martin's Properties. And good luck in um, the recession that is um, upon us now and uh, inspiring and leading your team through that and helping your clients and dealing with a, a variety of stakeholders you have in the business. But really nice dealing with you. And, uh, and thank you for all that you shared. It's lovely talking to you and I hope it's helpful. Thank you for inviting me on. That's great. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. 
And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.